What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand-Up here on this gorgeous Monday, June 19th, 2023. As always, I am your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. My man, how are we doing today? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And I don't know how you did it, but you kind of wiped me out right before we started with that joke about high school dating. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I am glad to be back off assignment. I appreciate um, Stu, you holding down the fort. There is so much happened. I, I my, my last show was Wednesday. Turn around. We've got Earthstone Energy um, and, and Northern Oil and Gas doing a nice divestiture. So I will cover that. Um, but first, Stu's got a great lineup for us. Um, lots happened this weekend. First up on the menu, Iran oil exports hit a five-year high. Next up, Putin reveals details of draft treaty on Ukraine neutrality during a meeting with Africa. African leaders brokered by none other than Stuart Turley himself. Um, Next up, the EV charging challenge. U.S. needs a million more stations by 2030. Who will pay for them? Um, Newsflash, you probably. Um, So um, (laughs) as Stu would say, the consumer will always take it in the drive-thru. Next up, China steps up game with first floating oil factory. This is amazing. I'm excited to, to Stu to cover this one. Next up, natural gas bans aren't about your health. Uh, duh. So Stu will cover um, one of the more obvious stories we've covered in the past week. And finally, Russia's energy industry is betting big on South Asia. As Stu always says, sanctions don't work. He'll then toss it over to me. I'll cover what's going on in the oil and gas markets. I mean, we saw oil pop up to a 7168 on a mix of interesting demand um, uh, data coming out of China. Also, we saw natural gas pop all the way up to $2.61. Looks like it could be more uh, supply driven by some by two pipelines or by the Sabine Pass pipeline being down about 1.6 BCF and Freeport seeing, but but I'll cover all that. And then what's going on with the Earthstone um, Energy divestiture or uh, acquisition of some core Delaware Basin stuff. That was an NCAP backed company, Nova Energy. So um, we will cover all that in a bag of chips in the finance section, guys. But again, before we get into all this, all these stories are courtesy of the world's greatest website, Energy Newsbeat. You can find all of the stories that we're about to cover here in the description below. The team does a great job of, of making sure it's all set. We're working on making sure that those uh, timestamps are perfect. It's a little tricky when, when, when we're inserting ads and all that stuff, but the team is hard at work, making sure that you can check that description and jump to whatever segment you want. Stu does a great job of curating the entire website to make sure that any you can stay up to speed on the best energy news. Hit us at dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data and energy news combo. We are hard at work trying to update that to V2. It's going to go behind a paywall, guys. So just be aware. You know, we, you've heard about this for weeks now. We're slowly just tempting. It's like we're just tempting you with it's coming. It's coming. So when it comes, you can't say no, get it while you still can. You can email us questions at energynewsbeat.com. But I'm, I'm ready to go here, Stu. Where do you want to begin? Hey, let's start with my buddies over there in Iran. Uh, Iran oil exports hit a five-year high. Michael, this is pretty darn crazy. Iranian crude exports exceeded 1.5 million barrels per day in May, the highest level since 2018, despite the country still being (laughs) under U.S. sanctions. Sanctions don't work. Okay. Uh, Last month, Tehran said that it had boosted crude output to above 3 million barrels per day, again, the highest since uh, 2018. 
this is dramatic from the standpoint a the part of this article kind of scares me as a successful nuclear deal could change the oil markets with former yep. Iran oil minister uh, Bajan Nabadir Zangahai. Boy, I butchered that from Oklahoma. You know, um, I actually think you did pretty good on that one. Uh, OK, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the credit where the credits do saying that his biggest dream has always been to increase Iran's oil output to six million barrels per day earn two trillion through oil experts over the next two decades to use income to invest in the country's development. Okay, here's the little geopolitical thing. Little geopolitical thing is a a guy named like this tall. He's just a hair shorter than you, Michael. His name is Putin. Super nice guy. Wrong. But uh, he is uh, sitting here. You've got Iran, Iraq, Russia. India, China, they're all coming into BRICS Plus. And now that you've got Iranian crude coming in there big time, this is huge. So question here, is is there pressure on the Biden administration to make a nuclear deal because they understand that oil prices will fall? They're too stupid to figure that one out. What they're planning to do is probably get another airplane and drop off billions of dollars in cash. Okay. Can they do that to us? Can we get on that schedule? I don't want to have anything to do with that. Okay. Okay. I'm going to the next one here. Russia's energy industry is betting on big Southeast Asia. Sanctions don't work. Michael, you notice it kind of falls right in line with that first uh, article. This is from a random dude on Substack, as you love to call these folks. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Korbachev is actually a Russian Substack author. He's got an interesting point of view, Michael, that is the world's geopolitical and is worth reading his material. Uh, Since he is Russian, he's got a Russian slant on everything. And I have to put this disclaimer in here. I do not agree with all of his perspectives or viewpoints, but he does have some excellent viewpoints. I mean, information. First line out of here, it says China will remain one of top Russia's top energy partners for economic, geographic, and political reasons. But Moscow doesn't want to become dependent on exports to the People's Republic is why it's preemptively diversifying betting on South Asia in general, India in particular. And later on in the article, they talk about Pakistan. They're putting in a new natural gas pipeline into Pakistan. That's huge. I would love to see that for the Pakistan folks. They need it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you've painted, you know, you, you were on this sanctions don't work years ago when they, you know, when we first started this show, when they yeah. were trying to, um, when this first, the whole ESG motion was still rolling out, you were on this from the beginning and you clearly see it playing out right here. And the, and, and Michael, you nailed it. The weaponization of the dollar is going to come back worse than uh, a slingshot rubber band breaking and slapping you in the forehead. I believe me, I've had that happen. So so. uh, you take a look at uh, so Russia's taking a look at China and is going to have them as a big export partner. India is going to be their biggest. But Putin is about one of the most brilliant dudes I've ever seen by going after Southeast Asia, India and going into that area for LNG, for everything else, all of his Mm -hmm. oil. They're selling more oil and natural gas than they did when they had the dang pipelines. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting when they can get all of these pipelines back online. There's still one uh, Nord Stream uh, one pipeline still is capable of transporting gas. Pretty so crazy. You- Russia's supplying 42% of India's crude oil. Yep. 42%. At about $40 a barrel. Ooh. Ooh. So India is going to not going to go buy anything from anybody. Why else. would you? Why would Modi go and do hey, anything else? I applaud them for buying the cheapest the stuff they can to get their elevate their uh, people out of poverty. I, you know, go get them. OK. Hey, the next one coming around the corner is uh, Putin reveals details of a draft treaty on Ukrainian neutrality during a meeting with the African leaders. Michael, you know, my the humanitarian in me is tired. Western civilization taking advantage of Africa. Yep. Let's let's let these Africans utilize their own natural resources. Let's elevate them out of poverty. Let them use natural gas. Let them save. Let's just get them out of poverty, get them to some power. So they're going and meeting with Putin. A, I want every you, you and I joke about me and Putin. You know, I'm a Putin kind of guy. I'm not a Putin fan. However, Putin is doing Russia first and Africa first. He he had a uh, African leaders delegation from Segal, Egypt, Zambia, Uganda, Congo, Comoros, South Africa had visited Kiev Friday before arriving in Saint Petersburg. You know what? And they sit there and they sat down in the meeting right in the beginning of the meeting. And they said, you need to stop this war on the picture on this. Uh, Andy, we may want to have you fly this in um, for our podcast listeners. Putin is holding up a treaty and he goes, hey, guys, I even had this to them. I've signed it. They signed it. And the West told them not to go through it. Is that because of Crimea? Does this all come down to Crimea? It does. And remember, I said that it's the land bridge. But he in this treaty was going to sit there and say, give me my land bridge. Let me have Crimea and I'll shut everything down. Okay, that's willing to talk. Let's get to the table. We could have talked six months ago. But anyway, the whole piece about this is Putin is talking to the Africans like a human. Okay, he may be less than a human for all the people he's killed, but he's at least treating Africans right. Nope, he really is. He really is. All right. What's next? Let's go to the EV charging station, the EV charging challenge. Uh, This almost sounds like a new game show, Michael. The U.S. needs uh, needs a million more stations by 2030. Who will pay for them? Dude, these things are not cheap. And when you sit back and kind of go, there's three bullet points that got me on this one. The growth in EV demand is outpacing the infrastructure. Really? Both cobalt and silicon are both critical for renewable energy resources like EV batteries. Guess what? We've talked about this before. Them kids in the Congo are digging this out. And I do not like taking advantage of A, the kids and B, you know, in Africa, paying them a dollar fifty. Why don't we pay our politicians a dollar fifty to go sit there and dig in the Congo? All those in favor, sending all of Congress to dig out of the Congo. Okay. 
Um, the renewables MMI monthly metals index continued to edge sideways. I didn't even know what an MMI was before I looked at this. I thought it was Minnie and Mickey Mouse. Um, <laughs> no idea what that was. So uh, anyway, you got any questions on this other than? Well, well no, I mean, I think it's interesting. I, th- I think the, the heart of what this article is talking about is the fact that, okay, we're making this huge push. And right, you know, let's put aside the the should we or should we not transition EVs? Let's just say right. that's what we're doing. Well, we should think about how not only are we going to build good cars, but build good infrastructure so that people can use those cars. There's two interesting facts that this article points out. First off, there's only one char- EV charging station for every four to eight gas pumps, which is at best like a one to four ratio. And also only wow. 6% of charging stations lie along interstate highway systems, which is like the central connection of the entire wow. system, especially if you're talking about trucks, which people, which is mainly the car. If you're talking about how to re- really cut down on emissions from vehicles, it's trucks because they're really the things driving 24 seven. It's not me and you, your car's ha- uh, parked you, half the you time. You know how long it take to charge a semi? Yeah. So a to week. the U S is uh, the, the S and P global mobility assessment quote says the U S must triple its charging infrastructure by 2025, which is an eight X increase over the current country's current charging capacities. We've been on this from the beginning, Stu. The grid is not ready for this stuff. And if we're going to go this route, we have to make sure that there's infrastructure in place so that we don't end up, you know, instead of people making gas runs, we're going to need to make battery runs. The the only thing that the only way they can make this is to put in gas fired plants and uh, coal fired plants and turn all the wind farm and all the natural resources over to these EV charging states. And so then the title asks a good question. Who's going to pay for all this? Well, you know, you, 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 you know, Tesla is building their own network. So, you know, maybe this gets absorbed by, you know, maybe this cost, but then that's just going to raise the cost of the vehicles. And Ford canceled their network and then signed a deal with Tesla. Smart move. Because there's probably only going to be room for one or two players. And then that's great. We love that. Industries where there's only one to two players. That's always led to the best prices for consumers. Oh, yeah. yeah, No, we'll just have one seller of the good. It'll be fine. They won't mess with the prices to make more money. Now, that's how you get somebody like Bill Gates meeting with President Z about how to destruct the world. I, okay. It only took us 12 minutes before we got the Bill Gates reference. What's next, Stu? Okay. I don't like that, man. Okay. Uh, China steps up game with first floating oil factory. Michael, I love this. China's delivered its first smart floating production storage and offloading, an FPSO with land sea integrated operating system. Speaking of Bill Gates, no wonder he's over there talking to <laughs> Z. Marking breakthrough in the country's application with digital technology. Michael, this is going to be storage capacity of 100,000 tons is the first of the one. There's some numbers in here that just are, are um, amazing. There are 48 FSRUs in operation uh, globally. The EU has 19 of these coming online. That's nuts. They're it putting in, they're looking at some imports. What is the second order of magnitude impact of that? US shipping to Europe. Russia is going to be shipping to Europe. Do you know how that's going to happen? It's going to go through Iran, 
Iraq. Mm. It's, and it's going to be go through these floating storage units. It's exactly right. And it's so, interesting. The Koreans are the ones that build this. Good for them. Well, the South Korea actually has uh, the most number in, in their inventory of their fleet. I have to go look. That is interesting. Do you think you'd ever, you know, you run, I, I imagine a network of these bad boys set up, you run them in parallel. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in. So we could have used that when we were going to be using our bathtubs. I mean, absolutely. This was a much better idea. Oh, much better. Okay. Let's go to the last one for me. Natural gas bans aren't about your health. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Don't be fooled into think natural gas ban is good policy. Don't be fooled by the politicians who declare natural gas, a ban to be a conspiracy theory. (laughs) (laughs) Love me a good conspiracy theory. Uh, Representative Jared Moskowitz, Democrat out of Florida, has claimed, I'm not hearing uh, about this issue back home. No one wants to ban gas stoves. Neither does Biden administration. Right. (laughs) Yeah, right. And then Chuck Schumer, he's this guy that's been... He and Noah were buddies. A Democrat out of New York called the idea something cooked up by mega Republicans. Oh, you got to be kidding. It was them that came up with it. I know. I was going to say, isn't it New York that just like what? Weeks after that, they they did a natural gas ban on and on new furnaces and new buildings. I mean, talk about hypocrisy. And they say that uh, getting rid of it, some estimates put the cost at 10 trillion dollars what's a trillion between friends hey a couple things that that article on ai what i'm noticing about ai is a frightening and b if anybody uses a keyboard or a spreadsheet their product is now ai i am so sick of this this is almost greenwashing or esg investing on steroids every product i'm seeing on the internet is now ai certified what knuckleheads come up with a marketing scheme if you're using a spreadsheet it's ai every it's machine learning is- dude this podcast is machine learning who knows this could not actually be us in an alternate reality machine learning is having this conversation Oh, my head just exploded. That was good, dude. That was a good one. That was a good one. Is that all you've got? Oh, yeah. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to Dr. Moore. I'm uh, holding up the book Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout. Uh, Dr. Patrick Moore, I'm interviewing him tomorrow. It's going to be a great interview. Super. Yeah, guy. we're going to have to tease this one a little bit. I think we're going to have to handle this one a little bit differently, Stu. I think we're going to have to hold this one. I think we're going to have to cut it up good. I think we're going to have to release some teasers and then oh. roll it out. I think we're going to do this one right. Um, but let's not, go ahead and Real doc- quick, I did not realize that he saved the whales originally. Mm-hmm. First, it was oil and gas. Uh, and electricity saved the whales the first time. And then it was uh, Dr. Patrick Moore with the saving clubbed baby seals and whales. The dude's an animal. All right. Yeah, no pun intended. Um, let's move to oil and gas finances here. Um, we've got oil prices up to 71.68, mainly due to a couple different things. We have uh, Chinese refinery data coming out, totaling the fact that they had their second highest total utilization, which is awesome. Um, Russian um, news out of Russia says their quote realistic oil price um, targets are about eighty dollars. Interesting. I thought they had sanctions on there, so wonder they don't care. Bank of England expected to raise interest rates next. 
next week, um, which is all bullish signs. We did see U.S. rigs fall to the lowest level um, since 2022. All factors weighing on this on this uh, on oil prices. I think going forward this week, what to expect is another choppy season. The sentiment is lining up on the bullish side, though. So if you have to ask me, are we going to see a week over week gain? I'm going to lean bullish versus bearish and probably how I would tack this week. You also have to realize, you know, Chinese demand will continue to climb. That's really the other thing. You know, we got the Kuwaiti Petroleum Corporation CEO saying he's expecting more Chinese demand to come in during the second half, specifically lining up contract. Um, you know, we also have the voluntary cuts going on. Again, the uh, Russian real the Russian energy minister saying, you know, they think it's going to be $80 a bill, which is hilarious because apparently there are sanctions right now. They said they do expect their production to fall though, by about 20 mil, about, about, by about 400,000 barrels um, per day. But that's, I guess, in line with their expectations. And um, we already covered what's going on in Iran, um, setting new highs in 2023. And then again, those rigs down four to 552, those lowest levels since 2022. Gas rigs are also down um, five to 130, their lowest level since March 22nd, which is interesting because we did see natural gas pop a little bit. We're up to $2.61. This was when I was on a little, uh, I was down an assignment in Colorado. So I was a little tapped out of the news, sat down the Holy smokes, natural gas takes off. Again, I think there's a few reasons for that. One, I think the bullish sentiment has turned around a little bit. We've seen a, uh, we saw a very bullish draw from the um, natural gas reserves last Thursday. Um, We also are seeing Sabine Pass enter some spring maintenance, which is clustered around May and June. We did see that on average, um, which was released on June 16th. They were down to three BCF per day. Um, That's down from 4.6 in May. Not good or good for natural gas price. We also saw Freeport um, notice there was no comment after there was a recent drop in utilizations facility. But you know, confirming some of the information via Boardwalk Pipeline Partners. Um, It looks like the Freeport confirmed to take some of its uh, confirmed gas quantities, which means those flows would be down about 700 million um, cubic feet per day and more than two BCF on June 12th. So that's or on June 12th. So that's really what's going to cause those prices um, to spike a little bit in the short term. What that means this week, you know, who knows? We'll probably see ourselves end up in that $2.40 range, which means on average, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bearish, but you know, we'll probably play this one fairly neutral. Um, the only other interesting thing that we missed, guys, was the Earthstone Energy buying Nova oil and gas for 1.5 billion, but really 1 billion because uh Northern Oil and Gas, our favorite non-op team, is going to come buy um some working interest for about 500 million dollars. It's like 30. 30- working interest for about 500 million. So that total deal for Earthstone um, is about $1 billion. To give you guys some high level details on that, you've got 11,300 net acres. This is most of it's held by production. We're in core Delaware Basin, Eddy County, Culberson County. I mean, you can call this core one of my favorite terms. High return drilling inventory with 200 gross operator locations with a break even of $40 barrel per oil. I doubt that. IR guy of the week. Who is it? Clay Johnstone, Earthstone Energy. I'm sorry. I don't buy any of that, but we'll see. Maybe there's 12. There, there, hopefully there's 20. I bet you. No, I'm dead serious. I would, if you gave me a line and said, okay, all we're going to drill all 200 of those. You have to give right. me a, you have to basically say, are how many of them break even at $40 a barrel? I would, if you, I would set the line at 20 and I'd probably take the under. There's absolutely no way. That's just what just just crazy about when they 200 gross locations. I, I I get thrown off by that. Again, if you're gonna buy buying and buying in core, the core of the Delaware Basin is not a bad idea though. So I don't necessarily think I disagree with this move by Earthstone. If there was ever a way to finance, you know, there are they are financing the deal a little bit. That's not great. 
No, uh, Northern's going to come in and buy it with cash, which is interesting. But they do expect that these three transactions that they've recently closed, which includes this Nova, it's going to you know, encourage their free cash flow. They do see it um, jumping about 33% or 30% of what they would call unlevered free cash flow. What that means, I couldn't tell you and have a master's degree in economics. So when they tell you non-gap accounting terms, you never really know. You got to read the footnotes. There's literally two footnotes on that one. So you got to go read footnote three and footnote five. Newsflash. If there's two footnotes, don't believe it. That means because you got conflicting. It's literally it just cracks me up. Nah. Two you, know what, you know what non-gap means, don't you? No. Uh, written by some random dude on Substack. Some, yeah, exactly. Some <laughs> random dude on Substack. <laughs> you know, again, drilling inventory. You know, they do. They, a hundred, they, they think there's a thousand gross locations, but there's only 200 of them that are. See, that's what's hilarious. They, there's a let. There's a thousand locations. That's a lie. I've been a part of these meetings. You're just drawing sticks on a map. I've I've done this before. You're just right. drawing sticks. You'd never drill these bad boys, but whatever. That's sweet. 13 year with a five rig drilling program. Doubtful, um, but whatever. Five, did he say five rigs running all the time? Yeah, five. Well, if it's the, it's the inventory life, they're not going to actually do that. I was going to um, say, dude, and I'm calling yeah, him yeah. off. They're going to end with a 1.1 leverage. Not horrible, even though they're, they're, they were below one before this. So nothing like dipping into uh, the, the, the financing market to uh, get yourself 20 new locations or 200, but we'll, 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 it doesn't matter. What else you got, Stu? That's all I've got. What, what should people be scared about this week? Um, Bill Gates visiting with Xi. Yeah, that is scary. Um, we also have the Secretary of State over there. And, um, you know, when you sit back and kind of, Take a look. Why don't we have Putin and Ukraine, who both want to sign a deal? I, I would love for them to stop the war. Yeah, you you think so? We need you brokering that deal. We need you on a flight to Kiev now. I, you know why I can't go? Why? I'm ethical. <laughs> oh, oh, good, good, and that's good for everyone. Yes. Um, not our pocketbooks though. So uh yeah. I'll I'll take it in the shorts for you guys. Um well with that guys, we'll let you get out of here, get back to work. We appreciate you sticking through us. We got a long week ahead of us. Stay tuned. Lots to cover for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner, guys. We'll see you tomorrow.